welcome to Talent Buzz, where we talk how SaaS companies do their talent acquisition. I'm your host, Samuli, and in today's episodes, I'm talking with Connor McRainor from HubSpot, and we are digging deep on how HubSpot finds the best possible sales talent for their sales team and what you can steal from their process. And let's kick things off from the recruitment process itself. So how does HubSpot recruitment process look like when finding the best possible talent for their sales team? Yeah, no, that that, that makes a lot of sense. I suppose there's a three, four step recruitment process here in, involved at HubSpot. So I suppose there's two ways or, or three ways a candidate can come into the process. There is a, a direct applicant, there would be a referral, or there will be a candidate that we have sourced. So obviously, you know, on LinkedIn and or you know previous applications, we've brought them in. But typically, the the three, if not four, stage process looks this way. So the first step in the process would be a phone call with a recruiter. So someone like myself or one of the other recruiters based in in one of the other regions in EMEA. And and what you're looking for in that first call with a recruiter is to identify if the candidate or the potential candidate is a fit for what we're looking for. Now, we're looking at a number of different things. We're looking at, you know, core competencies to do the role, but you're also looking at the personality and, you know, will this person fit into the HubSpot culture? Will it fit into the team that, that we're building out at the moment or, you know, adding to? So will it be a culture add to the team as such as well? So I like to take those calls quite casually. Other recruiters sometimes do take them more as, you know, identifying the candidate's core abilities with some key interview questions, it can depend on the volume that's coming into that the given role and um, as such. So that's step one. If a candidate is you know successful in that first stage, we'd look to move them to the second round, which would be bringing them to a manager interview stage. So this is your first opportunity to, I suppose, impress the hiring manager for the team or a member of the sales team. So with the call with the hiring manager, what you're typically looking to do is show your sales expertise. And um, you know, are you good at selling and are you able to meet the requirements for the role that we're looking for there'll obviously again be a touch on the soft skills and hoping that you know you can get on very well with the potential manager but this call is generally jumping in on and whether you can can do the role or not and if this call can be two things it could be a 30 minute call just to identify the core skills and if that was the case we would move the candidate to a role play scenario and it could be an hour long call. And then at such stage, we may skip the role play. So this is where it's either a three or four stage. Step three, if we've done a 30 minute manager call, would then be a role play scenario. So we would give them a mock exercise. The candidate would read through a prep document about a prospective client, and you would do a mock discovery call with that one of our current account executives. And you know they'll give you some pushback and then oh, hopefully at the end, try and you know get a, a demonstration booked in. And then the final round, whether that's the third or the fourth round, is the two Zoom video interviews. So this is where you'll meet two of the hiring team again, so probably the hiring manager again, and then one other sales manager or sales director. And they'll focus on one interview again on the core attributes of the role, the second being on the softer skills. So in HubSpot, we have this phrase that candidates have heart, which means humble and and (laughs) emphatic, adaptable, remarkable, transparent you know so we're looking for those softer skills and um, and really really looking to to see if you know a candidate can fit into the culture as well as the core attributes in the role so that's kind of the three four step process typically you're looking two to three weeks depending on the candidate's availability depending on the need for the hire 
But what's really important is that we give people time to prepare as well for the interviews. The last thing you want to be doing as a prospective candidate is rushing through the phases and not actually reading the prep material provided and understanding what's expected from each stage. So what I'd say is between two to three weeks usually to, to run these processes. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. When you walk through those kind of steps, I felt like a lot of stuff you mentioned over there were validating the candidate's experience and knowledge and all all that. But as we all know, the kind of recruitment market is getting harder and harder. It is harder to find salespeople than it used to be used yeah. in the past. Like, how do you combine the validation, but at the same time, kind of selling HubSpot in all of these stages? Could you share a bit more about that one? Yeah, that's very true, and that comes back to the recruiter in the very first round. So me as a recruiter, I although I'll be trying to validate the candidate and also you mentioned, you know, seeing if they're a, a fit for the role, you're also looking to see if they're coachable or if they're, you know, adaptable, as I mentioned, the A in heart. Are they adaptable? Are they, have they got transferable skills? You know, not everybody's going to be the prime finished, um, you know, salesperson, but have they got those kind of coachability um, and, you know, adaptability kind of skill set? Me, I do a lot of selling and the managers, I've kind of in, instructed my managers that are working with me that we do need to incorporate 10, 15 minutes at the end of the interview to kind of sell HubSpot. You know, I, I think if businesses are going out there and thinking that everybody wants to just work for them or if a candidate is on the market, they're just interviewing with them, you do need to to have a little bit of sell there. And like, who better than a sales manager or a sales rep? Like they're sellers of the HubSpot product. They should be able to sell their team and their product. And I think, or, you know, they're kind of, environment that they've built within their team so i think that's a really valuable valuable stage in hubspot what i typically sell on is you know we've fantastic opportunities about working remotely within a place that we have an entity i also you know sell on some of the fantastic benefits like we've got great you know annual leave policies you know flexible working options if you're in dublin there's the free food in the canteen all of those kind of perks as well but the big thing is the growth in hubspot if you're joining a growing company and I know some other companies that are in this hyper growth stage or in this steady growth stage, the big thing people want to see is they want to see career growth for themselves. So that's a big piece that I'd incorporate into the initial call. And then I'd also be instructing my managers to to do a little bit of selling in the last 10, 15 minutes as well about their mission or their vision for the team. Yeah, exactly. And for example, for myself, I know a lot of people from HubSpot who has, has been working there for a long time. And if I look at their roles, People are really kind of moving forward in their career. I, I think a lot of people are are getting great opportunities over there. So I think that is really a big big benefit that a lot of people are are looking at the, at the moment. Mm, I, I think kind of one one thing that comes to my mind from HubSpot is kind of this growth and the kind of test culture as as well. Like during your time in, in HubSpot, has your kind of recruitment process been the same, or have you kind of tried new things that hey? Should we have some additional step in the process or, hey, do we really need this stage or could we do this some other way around? Yeah, that's fantastic you call it out. We're actually in the moment, we're in a bit of a trial period at reducing. So obviously reducing time to hire is efficient for both the business, but also efficient for a candidate as well. So we've looked at historical data and we were starting to look at our pass-through rates. So if you look at you know the time the percentage of candidates that were moving from the manager interview to the role play and from the role play to the final round, we were able to kind of dissect that and see that if candidates were actually impressing the manager with their core sales skills, I think it was over 80% were then passing the role play. So what we've done on a trial basis now at the moment is we've taken out that role play scenario. We've increased the length of time in the manager call. 
And what that, that's allowed us to do is to shorten in our window of recruitment. Um, you know, so we've gone from that three-week process to maybe just over two weeks um, from you know, initial call to close of the candidate versus, and, and that's allowed for a more smooth, streamlined process. It's given more time back to our managers and it's allowed us to take out part of the process that's not necessarily be needed now this is a trial basis we'll be able to look at the data and see the quality of the hires or the quality of people getting to the final round and reassess but i think that's where you know you have to have that analytical mindset you know although we've hired some fantastic people over the past you know my two years working here i'm always looking for ways to, to make a more efficient or streamlined process but also um looking at the data involved the performance of the people that you've hired and see is there trends or is there anything that we can identify to make it a more smoother process for the candidate, but also allow us to have a, a, a more high quality hire in, into the business as well. Exactly, exactly. You mentioned earlier there that typically you have kind of three different sources of candidates. So there are those people who are kind of applying for you, then there are referrals, and then there is kind of the outreach that you guys are doing in LinkedIn and other other platforms. I, I think kind of the applications coming in and outreach those are something that kind of a lot of companies are are doing and i think the referrals part is the kind of mo- most interesting ones i think kind of all companies do that but most likely not in a kind of structured way so c- could you share a bit more more on that one? like how, how you have built the kind of referral program for your recruitments inside of hubspot yeah, no, 100%. And, and yeah, I suppose I mentioned three avenues in terms of candidate. That's probably on the external side. I probably failed to mention the internal piece. And um, the way HubSpot is segmented in our sales team, we have a small business, a mid-market and a corporate. So we're seeing clear growth curve for our internal candidates as well, which is really good for filling you know more difficult roles. We hopefully have that internal candidate. But in terms of referral, and um, I've done, I work very closely with our sourcing team. I do a lot of sourcing myself. But what we've started to do is, you know, the ability to refer somebody, as you mentioned, is in the system. You know, somebody can go into the greenhouse, our applicant tracking system, and refer a candidate um, or refer somebody they think. A lot of the time, as you mentioned there, somebody might refer somebody that they're good buddies with or they're friends with. And, you know, they might necessarily be a core fit for the role. So there is a series of questions now we have asked our you know, referrers to give about the potential candidate. Like, do they meet the attributes we're looking for? You know, have you worked with this person? Do you know them in a professional or a non-professional capacity? So that we're able to see the quality of our referrals stay strong. You know, you don't want to just, uh, and a big thing with referring as well, can undiversify your team. You know, if you're, you know, referring three friends and they're the exact same character that's actually not building an inclusive culture and an inclusive team frame so you want to make sure that you know you're not just uh, referring somebody because they're your buddy or they're a friend you want to refer them because they're going to add value or add to the culture or add to the business so that's a huge piece that we've done within our trafficking system on a kind of as a recruiter and enablement side of things myself and the sourcer have sat down with the team and within and um, within our recruitment team We've sat down with the sales team. We've got them on a Zoom meeting. So we use Zoom internally and HubSpot. And what we've done is we've shared um, a couple of booty and search strings that can be used on the standard LinkedIn. So we're not talking about LinkedIn recruiter. Anybody, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you're aware and a lot of people are aware. You can actually search, you know, Boolean searches within, um, you know, your your own LinkedIn profile. And what we've done there is we've just given a very broad, like account executive or sales executive and, you know, Nordics. And what we've asked them to do then is search in their own connections. So this is where 
people have maybe connected or, or are referred and they're saying, oh, well, yeah, I forgot about that friend or I forgot I went to college with this guy, John, or this girl, Mary, and they're suddenly now um, actually working as an account executive in, in, a, in another tech company or another space. Maybe I could refer them. So we've kind of enabled our um, salespeople to find their own connections, first connections, second connections, and then ask them to kind of contact them and, and, and make the referral that way. So we're kind of enabling our salespeople to be sourcers for the recruitment team. Um, and it's really, really helped. We've added value um, there. And you'd be surprised the amount of really good kind of connections our sales reps have that they've forgotten about. Oh, I went to college with this girl or I went to college with that guy or I did an Erasmus year in Germany with this person. They could be good for our DAC sales team, you know, so um, really, really good um, way of, of enabling your, your sales team to, to take the heavy lifting, I suppose, off recruitment as well. Sounds good. Sounds good. And is there some kind of bonus model or kind of what gets your salespeople motivated in doing that one rather than only focusing on sales? Yeah, so there is a, a referral bonus of 900 US dollars. Um, for every referral. So it used to be, I think when HubSpot started, you know, in Dublin, you know, eight, 10 years ago, and they really started establishing a presence, there was a different tiers of referral bonuses. So if you referred an engineer, it could be $4,000. If you referred a salesperson, it might be 1000. And then if it was a entry level role, it might be 500. But now we've standardized it across the business that um, anybody can refer somebody in. If they get hired, they get 900. Unfortunately, our, us as recruiters, we can't refer people because that is our job, <laughs> which I, which is a pity. But um, at the same time, it does enable the salespeople to, to kind of be rewarded for, for, give, for helping us out as well, as well. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. But then maybe kind of one, one interesting thing kind of regarding recruitment is kind of the employer brand and kind of how well known your brand is. And I, I would say from, from all the companies that I know, HubSpot has quite a well-known brand. And I can imagine, for example, when you contact people on LinkedIn and then a salesperson sees, hey, it's from HubSpot, there, there is a higher chance to getting some kind of re- reply from that, that person. So what would you say like, compared to your past different places that you have worked, have you noticed that kind of the brand helps a lot, for example, when when doing sourcing, when doing outreach, when doing recruitment and all that? Yeah, no, I think HubSpot has built a fantastic brand as such and, and those orange backgrounds with us holding the sign or, you know, the big smiles. But what I find and, and what is so exciting about working at HubSpot is that this is so authentic. This is not... Like you're not being pushed by your manager to post the amazing things that are happening. It's just built within the culture. And I think that comes from, you know, our senior leaders within the the recruitment space. You know, you've got Katie Burke, the chief people officer. You've got Becky McCullough, the, the VP for for recruiting um, globally. And then us in, in EMEA um, and on the international side, we have Adele Murray, um, who has driven, you know, a really good best practices about how great our culture is. But, you know, everybody's posting these things authentically. And that's kind of, I suppose, the end goal for what companies want. But in terms of, yeah, having that brand awareness, it's so, so important. I think like social media and these Gen Zs or the next generation that are coming up, they get their their source of truth is now social media. Um, and LinkedIn is a now a form of social media, whether you like it or not. You know, you do see the the kind of, you know, heartwarming stories the upsetting stories you know it's now moved away from just being a job search or a kind of job updates board there is that kind of personal aspect of people's lives as well and it is turned into more of a social media 
piece, but I would be encouraging companies to to really look into their company branding um, and kind of the way they update their business. I think it's it's a vital, you know, if you if the first thing I would do if somebody reached out to me on LinkedIn about a job um, would be look at their company page. And if you go into the company page and you see a white empty square without even an, a, a logo, and then you start to click in on the people on the in the business, and they just have founder, CEO, and then no other businesses, and you can't see anything about the company, you're instantly your natural reaction is to go, oh, that that would be a bit risky. It's not really attracting. Whereas if you click in, you see this lovely employer branding. You go onto their business page, you see that they welcome two new hires, and they've done a little bit of a blog post about them. It's not a massive uplift in terms of what's needed from the business, but the amount it can do for attracting those perspective and candidates is is monumental and i've definitely seen that like with reaching out to to people i was lucky enough i worked at google before so i had the same kind of attraction you know people like the brand and they like the name it, it makes a huge difference when you're reaching out to the passive candidates for sure but more and more companies are doing it now so it's becoming you know harder and harder and more competitive but definitely if you're a smaller company or an agency or you know a business trying to get off the ground a huge thing to do is is to make sure that you've got your branding piece right and you're not forgetting to market yourselves and that can be very simple as using a free um piece of software like linkedin and, and really putting your name out there you don't need to be paying for spent sponsored ads you don't need to be putting sponsor posts up we're just talking about small little business updates if you have a social gathering whether it's hybrid whether it's, you know, in the office, somebody's come into the office, somebody brought a puppy or a dog to the office, you know, putting up a cute picture of the puppy, you know, or um, that kind of thing. So you want your you want your employees to be advocates for, for the business at the end of the day, you know, um, evangelists as such like me, I'm a HubSpot evangelist all the time. And I, it's by posting authentic posts. It's not that somebody's going... Connor, come on, you need to post again and on, on, on LinkedIn. You haven't posted in a month. You know, you'll notice sometimes I post three or four times in a month and the next month I won't post at all because it's the authenticity of, of what I'm posting is, is what's important here. And that comes from the top down, 100%. So, um, you know, I think company brand is, is, is a monumental move that people need to really, really latch onto and grab onto. Yeah, exactly. And I think I know we'll say a mistake a lot of companies do on that one is that they believe that a brand is built overnight. They are thinking like what our employee value proposition should be. Let's work on that one, then publish that one once on our LinkedIn and our career page, and then we are done. But in reality, if you really want to build a brand, employer brand, it takes time. A lot of, lot of, lot of time. And I think what you mentioned there about being authentic, I think... That is, for example, something we've tried at, at Talent B. For example, last Friday, I just uh, did a LinkedIn post about 10 failures that I did as a startup founder. And I think that was like super authentic, a lot of <laughs> likes, a lot of comments, yeah. and kind of really sharing that this is a place we are rather than being like, hey, everything is perfect within yeah. kind of our company. Yeah, no, 100%. And you don't want this big bank of information, like you said, blog posts, pictures, and then a company, somebody goes in, looks at your, oh, talent B. Oh, great. Oh, they were really active eight months ago. I wonder what they're doing now for the last seven months. You know, you got to keep that, keep that, keep that wheel turning. And I know it can be difficult, but, and um, yeah, the authenticity is, is fantastic. Yeah. And I saw the post today. It was, it was really interesting. So, um, some good call outs there as well. Good. Hey, then I would like to dig a bit deeper on them kind of task phase or the role play 
that, that you are do, doing inside of the kind of HubSpot sales, sales recruitment. That is something actually quite interesting. Before uh, starting my own company, I used to work in a marketing agency called Advanced B2B, and we were partners with HubSpot as well. And actually last spring, we were hiring a salesperson. And what we did together with our account manager in HubSpot was actually, he was running the role play for uh, our candidate. And I saw quite closely like <laughs> what kind of role play you are using, how you are evaluating that one. And I think that was kind of super interesting. But could you share a bit more kind of what are the traits and the skills that you are kind of assessing during the task and kind of how you ended up uh, using that kind of task? Have you tried different kind of task and that kind of thing? Yeah, I suppose it's been evolving over the, the number of years and the recruitment team has evolved this the role play process. And as I mentioned, we're even slightly moving away from it now. But in terms of actually, it, it's done on a ad hoc, ad hoc basis now. Some managers love the role play element and some don't. It depends on the volume of the, the role going in and, and, and that kind of thing. But I suppose for the role play, yeah, essentially what, what the candidate is tasked with is they're given a sheet that is a prospective client. I think it's a, it's a made up company based in Amsterdam. And they give some criteria about what their budget, their marketing spend, their sales spend, that kind of thing. The goal for, you know, the prospective candidate is to kind of discover the pain points, understand what we're looking for. Um, and the goal at the very end to be to set up a demo for next week. You'll get plenty of pushback from the existing account executive. They're doing these calls on a day-to-day basis. But the real thing is to see is how you can navigate it. Um, the probably the least important piece at this point in time is actually the HubSpot knowledge. You know, we'd like you to have an, a broad knowledge of HubSpot, but at the end of the day, when you join us, you're going to do the sales training. You're going to get a buddy that's going to be assigned to you to help you and um, do really well in your first couple of months. So HubSpot knowledge is not the most important attribute. What we're really looking for is is these probably six or seven other um, attributes that, that, that can be assigned. And, and what we're looking for there is like commitment to win is an important one. So, you know, showing that you know not taking no for an answer in some ways you know your commitment to win so when you get that push back in the role play or when you're in seat as a rep and and maybe somebody pushes back you know that your commitment to win is that you can navigate the the pushback it's not being forceful it's you know navigating through that challenge and and you know coming to the to to the right resolution another area would be problem solving and that would probably tie into commitment to win they're they're very similar in that way and it's it's we're problem solving it's seeing can you look at things through an analytical lens you know can you see okay i i've got some pushback here or there's some issue there's some issues with the business here what can what can i do there and customer first mentality that's a really really important trait that we look at in hubspot you know because we do that consultative selling approach with our with our prospective um, companies, so we're not trying to get somebody and sell them a product and then that they've disappeared from you know our business in a month's time. We're doing this consultative approach that we're solving for the customers to help them grow better. And essentially, at the end of the day, what will happen is you'll you'll have a client that's there and is growing with you alongside HubSpot, and that's why we've done so well in the past couple of years, and we hope to continue to do that because we are the number one um, CRM platform for scaling companies, and we want to continue to 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 be in that space and um, back to the coachability within the role play scenario you'll probably do the role play for 15 20 minutes and what will happen then is the, the the existing account executive that's running the role play will actually stop you will give you some feedback give you some points that you've maybe missed or action items that you can do and what they'll ask you to do is to run for five or ten minutes that section of the role play again um, and this is try to see can you take back on feedback 
you know, if you if one of the reps tells you, you know, you need to be more concise in your points, you need to have clearer communication skills, and then you run the role play the second time and you do the same thing again, that's not really showing the the coachability attributes that that we're looking for there, and um, so that's really important. And um, obviously, sales expertise is the overriding piece that we're looking for. We're looking for someone that can navigate all of the different attributes that you know being a salesperson is you know having that commitment to win having that problem solving at the end of the day selling the product and and closing the deal and and then something that's looked at throughout the whole process maybe not just the role play but even throughout the whole process is that self-development piece you know if there is gaps you know if you're somebody who's working for example in jameson working you know in dubai selling the product there and you want to work in a hubspot role covering the nordic region there's obviously going to be a massive gap in your skill set but showing that that self-development piece on you know what you're doing to cl close that gap or bridge that gap is really really important as well so that's not just assessed i suppose in the role play assessed across the board but the other pieces in the role play are that kind of commitment to win problem solving customer first mentality and then the coachability aspect as well which i think is a really interesting piece in our role play that you actually get actionable feedback instantly you get to try it again and that will be a huge part whether you pass or, or fail the role play is in that second attempt with the the feedback you've been given by somebody doing the role and um, have you taken that on board and have you have you got the the meeting booked in essentially exactly well, one thing that i've been hearing a lot lately is someone saying to me that they have failed in a recruitment they have <laughs> hired the wrong person and of course every now and then their problem is in their kind of recruitment process. Like they took the wrong person. They didn't uh, really find out the motivation or the skills. But I would say at least the same amount of time, the problem actually isn't the recruitment. It's in the onboarding of the, <laughs> of the salesperson. And I think that is something where you at HubSpot have really kind of invested time and money to build that onboarding process to make sure that people have the best possible chance to, to succeed in their their role so could could you share a bit more more on that like what is a typical kind of onboarding for a new sales rep at hubspot yeah no that that makes a lot of sense and i, I couldn't agree more i think like I, you're never going to get the perfect hire every single time but you can you know facilitate you know the interview process to find these flaws like looking at a cv is somebody jumping around business to business are they on that merry-go-round of tech companies and is there a rationale are they doing it for career growth or are they doing it because they're failing over and over again i suppose that's stuff things that you have to look out for and um, a lot of the time when people are in interview processes they're not just in one they're in maybe in five and when you're in five interviews you can come across very impressive because you're constantly talking about yourself and it's just rolling off the tongue and so that would be how we you can end up and you know, sometimes you can't stop that but i think as you mentioned the onboarding when somebody is in the business is so crucial then so you've invested so much money into the recruitment team to hire somebody you've got the person in the door now it's about nurturing them and holding on to them that you're going to get that roi in the future in hubspot what we have is when you join us in so we have start dates at the start of every month so it's not a case that you just start on a random thursday or you're going to start in, in a month's time on a, on a random wednesday you join with a cohort of people um, in the EMEA office and uh, offices that will start in um on the first monday of um, each month so the next start date i believe is um you know in, in a couple of week time at weeks time at the start of october and maybe it's at the third of october that's our next EMEA start date and what happens is you've got our dublin based office that offers a hybrid model so people can go into the office and do the training and um, there but it is 
delivered over this kind of um, style that we have um, over Zoom. So people are either based in our Dublin, London, Germany, um, Belgium, France, uh, Spain and the Netherlands offices or based remotely um, from their home office. And what they're doing is they embark on week one is just an intro to HubSpot. So you're learning all about the kind of product, learning about the benefits that are here. Me, I actually host a, a new hire panel and um, similar to yourself. Now I'm, I'm the hostess with the most tests, as they say, and, um, you know, hosting a panel discussion with a number of, um, you, you know, people that work in HubSpot and it's an opportunity for the new hires to ask those questions. It's very lighthearted. It's about, you know, Slack groups, people can get involved with ERGs, you know, it's, it's, it's what we're trying to do is to find somebody's home and find the people that they can network with and connect with very quickly in the business and, and, and that kind of thing. In their second, third, fourth, fifth, six weeks, you're embarking on HubSpot sales training. And so you're doing the certificates that are involved with, you know, and hiring that you're teaching them the processes, the systems, how do we report, how we gather information. It is heavy in terms of, you know, and knowledge. But what, what's great is that in that first month, we're not giving our salespeople a target. You know, they're not expected to jump straight on the phones and start selling. Although everybody's like, yeah, I needed somebody yesterday to join the team. I need another body on the ground. That's the biggest mistake a business can make is expecting somebody, even if they're coming from a similar company, a similar background, to jump on the phones in their second week and start selling the product. You need a clear onboarding of the product, of the processes, and those best practices will pay off in the long run. I suppose what kind of happens then for our sales reps is they do go into the funnel in their kind of second month. And what they have then from there, um, it used to be a six-month ramp-up and draw period. It's now a nine-month period. So we've actually increased that out. Um, and why we've done that is to set our reps up for success so that they don't jump from month six to month seven and have a big jump in you know, carrying the full quota. So as you kind of, I'm not sure if everyone's aware with a ramp and draw period, what you're kind of looking at is that you've had a reduced target. And in your first months, you maybe have to close one small deal. You'll be buddied up with one of your senior teams and uh, senior members of the team, and they'll be helping you kind of coax that one across the line. And then you'll slowly and incrementally increase your target. This will allow, you know, this is a really fair and equitable kind of process and allows people to ramp up slowly. And you also have to be thinking those months ahead, especially in the Nordics, you know, you know, we've got that Nordic summer, you know. Can I close the deals now? Can I hold some deals for those months as well? So, and that's stuff that, you know, will be, you'll be outlined and helped with over that, you know, nine month uh, ramp up period. But that's what's really good about HubSpot is we focus on your nurturing and training in the first, you know, four to six weeks. In month two, then you'll start working very closely with a buddy um, who will show you kind of shadow calls and, and assist you with closing the deals, et cetera. And then you'll slowly start to incrementally close deals yourself and, and really become probably month three, you start to really feel like you're in the business. But then by month six to nine, you really know your stuff then and, and, and you're in the business and, and HubSpot's getting lots out of you then, um, you know, in the long run. So that's kind of our onboarding. And it's really, really uh, thorough. But what we've also, we have to think about is we've got realistic targets for those um, new hires as well. We're not, we're not setting the bar super high in line with our top performers, we're setting the bar to what's reasonable and, and what people can do and, and rewarding them if they overachieve those, you know, targets that are, are reasonable and, and, and fair, you know. Makes sense. It sounds sounds good. And I would say kind of reasonable because like, I, I know a lot of people who are working in sales. I have my background in sales. I know that there are companies where the kind of sales goals are super high from the beginning and there isn't kind of the understanding of that it really takes time to build up that pipeline to learn all of those things and even though 
within first months, it might feel like, hey, I'm not getting any return on my investment on hiring this sales rep. But in the long run, it really makes sense to to invest on the on the onboarding period. Your own job is, of course, kind of 100% recruitment, but then other people inside of the organization, the sales leaders, head of sales, of course, recruitment is a big part of their, their job, their job, but it's not the kind of only thing that they are, they are focusing. Could you kind of share your best advice on kind of involving those people inside of organization? They are super busy. They have a lot of stuff on their table, not only the recruitment. Like how do you get all, all you need from them in order to really create a good candidate experience and make sure that you are hitting your kind of recruitment targets? Yeah, no, like, and I have a kind of a catchphrase that I use and it's kind of like hiring is everyone's responsibility, not just recruitments. Um, and I think that's exactly what you're talking about there. Like without sales managers and sales directors making their calendars available and actually interviewing the candidates and actually being advocates for the business and actually doing that selling, like we talked about in the earlier in, in the in the kind of conversation that they're selling the business and selling their mission, their goal and, um, you know, we're not going to close the candidate. We can present all the candidates in the world, all the potential new HubSpotters that may join. But unless we have the buy-in from the the wider team, it's going to always be a, a real struggle. What I've done is obviously there's twofold. And there's obviously the part where, you know, you, you, you use your personality and you kind of push yourself into them and you get within their circles. You know, you join some sales meetings. You know, you make yourself aware that, like, I would know that all of the Nordics reps in HubSpot know who I am. Also, the managers know exactly who I am and the sales director know who I am. And I know if they have any questions about recruitment, that they can come to me. So to be that subject matter expert when it comes to recruitment, if somebody sends in a referral and you're going to reject them, give them actionable feedback. Don't just press a red button on the system and and you know not give that rep feedback. You want people to buy into recruitment as well. So I've used my personality, which... I'd like to think I'm a, I'm a talker. You've probably seen it already. I, I don't stop talking, but you know, I'd like to use my personality, push it out there. That builds that you know soft relationship in terms of functionality, in terms of actually doing the role and getting manager buy-in. What we've recently started to do, and it's been really, really helpful, is to set interview calendar blocks in the hiring manager's calendars. So we're setting aside now times on a Tuesday and on a Thursday morning. So from nine to 11 on a Tuesday, nine to 11 on a Thursday. These are interview blocks where their calendar is blocked out and it's the time is set aside for interviewing. Now, in a nine to 11 block, they may do three or four interviews on a Tuesday and the same on a Thursday. Some managers have given that feedback that they're not great on back-to-back interviews. So they've got a half an hour block in the morning, half an hour in the afternoon. You know, we work very closely with our managers and what suits their kind of styles. But what we try to do is have, you know, four or five hours a week set aside for recruitment interviews and if the slot isn't taken up they've got calendar time blocked off they've got time back to themselves it's really really good and then what we do is on a friday we have a withstanding kind of meeting where we talk about the health of the pipeline and if there's any candidates we need to debrief on or if there's any updates that need to be shared again that's in the calendar if there's nothing that can't be shared over an email we take it out, you know, or a Slack message. We take out the meeting. It's there as a placeholder. Same with the interview blocks. Um, as everyone's probably aware, with working in recruitment, it can be a feast or a famine. You know, it can be super, super busy or it can be very, very quiet. So, you know, to have these calendar blocks in and, and you know 
um, that things can be super busy and sometimes and very quiet in others and that you may and again that falls back on building a relationship with the manager that I'm going to have to approach them now coming to the end of this year and be like hey we're actually going to have to do a little bit more than just the the four calendar blocks that we have you know you're going to need a little buy-in for two or three weeks and um, here but having that relationship built with them they understand as well so and um, having really good structure using the calendar as well but also using your personality and kind of data points to to sell your kind of value added to the business as a recruitment team is is really really important there and it's working very well and we've we've always kept our headcount where we need to be in the nordics and, and hopefully that we continue to do that and because of these you know clear processes but also the the really good buy-in from from the hiring team here yeah exactly maybe one more question regarding the kind of you mentioned there like kind of hitting those goals and i i know a lot of companies are doing their recruitment in a still quite kind of ad hoc style that hey, you know we need a salesperson like how long ahead you are planning your recruitments for example do you already know what kind of people you need in let's say end of next year yeah so like what we what we kind of look at there and um, in, in HubSpot is we have kind of a, an ideal number that we're going to, our headcount plan is going to finish at next year. That's kind of a, a number that we need to get to. So for example, if we're at 11 in, in one team, they may be sharing that we need to be at 16 next year. And that's not clear and defined, but that's kind of where you're at. So for me now, I'm looking at next year going, okay, maybe I have to hire three or four people and into the business and in within this within this team i'm already pipelining and planning now speaking to candidates being very transparent on that very first call like hey we have an opening coming in december we've a lot of competition there's six people in the process now there may be 10 after this week you know chance of you getting this role one in 10 most likely but what i want to do is i want to rule you in or out for future opportunities and when that opportunity comes that i can just knock on the door and be like hey you know samulai you know alona Nina, whoever it is, I've got a job for you. Do you want to come and join us now? You know, so pipelining and planning ahead allows you to have that quality in the pipeline all the time. What we're looking at too, as well, is like they give these numbers on an EMEA-wide level, and um, but you also have I have to look at Nordics in a different light because people don't want to join a business in June, July, August, or September in in kind of in the Nordic region. They want to kind of join in early in the year or you know late in the, at the end of the next year. And um, so for me, I'm going to have to try and front load my hiring. So I'm going to have to speak to the sales ops team and to our recruitment leaders and be like, hey, I have candidates ready. Can we get permission to pull some of these hires forward? So um, that's what the way our lens is kind of looking at it. But what we do have is we've clear numbers for the rest of this year um, and we have some kind of stretch numbers for Q1 of next year. And I'm working towards them now. But that allows you to hire the best people because I'm working towards people like there's people I will speak to this week that will join us probably middle to the end of next year and people think that's maybe crazy but that's the way if somebody wants to join the company and that's the way they they want to join the company and they're the best fit for what we're doing you know the opportunity will come back around when the headcount allows it so you got to always be planning ahead if you work on that ad hoc base like oh we need a salesperson open the job oh yeah we need someone to start at the end of september perfect we'll run a process now over the next two weeks that's not going to allow you to have the best candidate and join your team. It's going to have you the one that's most available and most ready in the next two weeks. But that's a little bit of luck as well. That candidate could turn out to be the best person you ever hired. But also, you know, you haven't done an equitable process where you've ran it over a period of time and actually got the best of the best um, and been able to, I know we should never compare candidates, but at the end of the day, you have to compare what one person can bring and what another can't bring um, and find the best person for your team. 
Exactly. Yeah, I, I believe that, that one and for example, like how we have built kind of internally those stuff is that we don't basically do like one-off recruitments, but we really try to build those talent pipelines and really kind of <laughs> think who are the people we need next year and make sure we are having those discussions kind of going on all the time. So I think that's that's super, super good. Mm. Lastly, I want to ask you, if you were a SaaS founder, what would be one thing that you would steal from HubSpot recruitment process? It's a good question. This is this is to help yourself. <laughs> no, not at all. But um, I suppose, yeah, if you're starting a business, what would be the one thing be looking to get on a HubSpot level? Like, there's so many so many things that we have, but I think like involving that founder in the process, like. You can be a SaaS founder and you can have a team of four people under you and you can delegate and be like, okay, you're the marketing manager, you're the sales manager, you hire that person. Or, oh, I hired a HR person, they can look after the recruitment. If you want to build a culture and build a team with your values and your mission and vision, you got to involve yourself in the process. And HubSpot does that. Um, we involve the directors, we involve the leaders. If there's any candidate we're unsure of, we skip a line of leadership and bring in somebody even more senior to make sure that the values are being had across the business. So as a founder, I would be saying involve yourself in the business in those early doors as you build out your product and your team and your ideas. Um, and as the business grows, make sure that the person that is now your point of contact still has those values and missions and goals that you have as well. And um, HubSpot has done that, as I've mentioned, the Katie Burks, you know, Everything that she has done is aligned with what Dharmesh and Brian thought of, you know, back in MIT, back in 2000 and whatever it was now, you know, back in the early 2000s. But they've, she's inherited their values and now she's instilled those values on everybody in the business. So I know that everybody within our recruitment team or and the same within the sales team, you've Christian Kinnear, Ed Barrett, the senior leaders, they all have the same goals and visions. So they trust their sales directors. So that will be my thing is is to don't lose your identity just because your business is scaling or getting bigger. Make sure you're involving yourself in those new hires and make sure that you're approachable. Like the big thing is like when you join, when you join a business here, you feel like you can speak to anyone in the business. You know, even though it's a 5,000 person company, I could send a message to somebody that's five levels my senior and will expect to get a reply. So never close, never have that closed door policy. And um, because that's what HubSpot doesn't have. Um, and it allows us to hire the best people and bring the best people in and allows us to grow. And why we've experienced such growth is because of that amazing culture that's come from the top down. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you got a lot of good ideas about SaaS talent acquisition. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it on your social so others can hear it too. And if you have a topic in mind that you would like me to cover in this podcast, share it with me as well. I'm Samuli, CEO and co-founder in Talentby, where we help fast-growing SaaS companies in their talent acquisition. Make sure to follow us, make sure to follow this podcast and have an awesome week. Bye-bye.